Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, 
I have Tim Grawl joining me. He's the author of several books, but his most recent that we're going to discuss is Running Down a Dream. Now, right out of the gate, I want to share with you that this conversation was a fantastic one. Tim and I have known each other for a few years now. And, uh, you know, it was one of these conversations I was really looking forward to bringing to you on the podcast today. That said, uh, when I first started chatting with Tim, my microphone settings in Skype went a bit askew. And so you'll hear the first part of this interview is going to have a shallower um, side of, of, of my conversation, the microphone quality. It's because it's recording it on my onboard mic. We, we correct that later. I caught that later, so you'll catch that. But I just wanted to share that with you right out of the gate. I uh, hope it's not too distracting, but I, I didn't want to lose this uh, discussion because it's it's I think it's a really good one. So we're going to dive into a whole bunch of conversation. Let's just get into it. Uh, now that you know what you're in for, a little bit in terms of the uh, the sound quality, let's get into the actual content quality here with my conversation with Tim Grawl here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Tim Grawl to the Productivityist Podcast. Tim, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. I know it's been it's been something we've been trying to work on for a long time coming. So the book that you have out now, the cur- the the most recent book, and of course I'm trying to get the subtitle in in, in iBooks, but it's not helping me out too much. It's Running Down yeah. a Dream. What's the subtitle? Uh, your roadmap to uh, I should know this, <laughs> man. Like as you started talking, I was like. Well, shit, I don't know if I know the subtitle. <laughs> uh, I, it's uh, Your Roadmap to Winning Creative Battles. That's awesome. what it is. And uh, I had a chance to read this book uh, months ago um, when you were when you were kind of passing it around. And, and um, I have to say that uh, as I was going through it, and I, this is, I'm sure this is not the first time that someone has said this to you, but I felt like, wait a minute, is this about me? Like, is this, there's elements <laughs> of this book that are totally personal um, for you, obviously, they're personal stories, but I could totally relate to them. Now, uh, I want to, I mean, I'm going to ask some of the, the initial questions that you probably get all the time, but we'll dive into some other interesting stuff related to productivity for sure. But what was the reason behind you putting this book out there, considering some of the other books you've had, you know, your first thousand copies, all that stuff. What was what was the impetus behind writing this book? So a couple of years ago, I reread The War of Art like I do every year. And I got to the last page and on the very last page of the war of art, it's, uh, it's like the third paragraph or something. It's just one line. It says, do it or don't do it. And when I read that, I remembered, you know, 10 years ago when I was really struggling to get anything done. And I was so wrapped up in my own like worry and fear and what Steve Pressfield calls resistance that I couldn't get my work done. I would like waste the day playing video games or talking to friends or just, you know, reading about doing work and not doing work. And, and so I remembered like feeling, reading that line and just being like, well, what if I can't do it? And so over the years I had put together a bunch of like little tools and and checklists and kind of things I've used to overcome creative resistance so I could actually get my work done. And I it started out of I was just going to basically release like um, it was going to be the how-to guide to the war of art. And I wrote an entire draft 2 years ago before 2 years before the book came out and I sent it to a couple people and one was Jeff Goins, and he said, you have a great collection of blog posts here, uh, but this isn't a book. 
And then my editor, Sean Coyne, looked at it and said, this is a book that people will read about half of, put on their shelf and immediately forget. And I'm like, mm. well, that's that's not what I'm going for. And so I worked on it off and on for a, a long time and I would rewrite portions and Sean, my again, my editor just kept kind of telling me I was missing it and to keep diving in and keep working on it. And then I finally realized, you know, I, my previous two books are about book marketing and all the work I've done in book marketing. And it kind of had this like I sit up on a hill. I'm the guru on the hill handing down the knowledge. And instead, this book became kind of a tour of the ruins. And it was just uh, I realized I needed to tell, you know, the capital T true story of what the last 10 to 12 years have been like for me. Uh, as I ran down my dream and I was able to share the tools, but I also got to share the stories of where the tools came from. And pretty much everyone came from a really painful moment uh, of hitting a wall and, and feeling broken and trying to figure out what was going on. So it started with this simple idea of I was going to, you know, help writers and or help, you know, creative people with these tools. And then it uh, blossomed into almost a memoir about how I found these tools. You know, as you know, you're talking about this, and um, you know, blogging it, the blog posts and 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 a book are are different. I mean, and you can tell when a book has been written by someone who that you know that's a blogger versus being an author. I think I think that there's there's an evolution that takes place there, right? I think, and I think working with mm -hmm. an editor and with getting feedback like you did from Jeff and, and from Sean really helps. Now, what's interesting. Um, about you mentioned Jeff and recently and again you know uh, by the time people are listening to this it could maybe not be recently but Jeff put something on Facebook which I found interesting and he said God I hate social media and you mentioned <laughs> in the book um, that there's a point where you uh, started cutting out some of your your efficient your inefficiencies rather um, some of those things out based on a story that you know, about your father which I don't want to spoil at all but um, I want to talk a little bit about that inefficiency that can be social media. What are your thoughts on like, cause you left social media, you just stopped posting and, and you said like, well, tell everybody what happened when you said, you know, what? I'm not going to post to social media regularly. I'm going to focus on the work. I'm going to do the things that are, that are deeper rather than maybe some of the shallower stuff or the stuff where I'm going to do a lot of saying instead of a lot of doing. Yeah. What happened was nothing happened. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't know, I don't know what I imagined would go wrong, but um, nothing bad happened. Uh, in fact, you know, on the scale, lots of good things happened because I was able to finally focus on what I was doing and not worry about putting stuff on social media. And you know, I think it's important that people just think about, make sure they're telling themselves the truth about what's going on with their social media because. You know, I'll get on this rant about, you know, social media is a waste of time and like all this kind of stuff. And people are like, yeah, but I enjoy it. It's like, OK, well, you know, I enjoy watching TV. I enjoy, you know, doing jujitsu. Like there's lots of things I enjoy, but I don't call any of those things work. Right. right. I don't tell I don't tell myself that, you know, watching TV on Friday night is me like studying stories so I can become a better writer. Like, mm -hmm. no, I just do this for fun. But so many people think they're working when they're on social media and it's just not work. It's not 
it's rarely getting you what you think it's getting you. Unless, so, unless your um, job is to actually do social media, unless that is, your, yeah. it's, it's kind of like when people say, when I, when you say, you know, well, I can't spend all day in my email inbox to most people, but some people, they are customer service reps and literally all of their emails are related to customer service. Well, there are exceptions yeah. to the rule, but by and large, what you're saying is absolutely spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. If you're getting paid by company X to, be running their social media accounts don't cut social media out but uh but yeah it's if it's just you know i feel like one always trying to be honest with yourself about why you're doing what you're doing um and number two um constantly experimenting with just like you know hardcore cutting things out of your life and waiting for something to go wrong Mm -hmm. right like i don't watch the news i don't read the news um and nothing ever really goes wrong. I just, you know, I told my wife, I said, uh, let me know when it's time to vote again and I'll figure <laughs> out who to vote for. And then let me know when Trump's not president anymore and then I can pay attention to some news again. But otherwise, <laughs> I'm just not paying attention and nothing goes wrong in my life. And really what happens is my anxiety goes down. I have less to think about. I have less to worry about. And so I just feel like you know, being constantly experimenting with just cutting things out of your life and doing it until something goes wrong. Cause most of the time, like there's so few things that you can't go back on in your life. It's like having kids and like jumping off a roof. Otherwise, like you can try something out and if it doesn't work, just go back and fix it and apologize and do it differently. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I kind of look at social media is just this thing that you know, just be honest about why you're doing it and making making sure that it's getting you where you actually want to go. Well, and you talk about in the book also about having some time blocks put in place. And I, the, the block you're talking, I'm going to refer to specifically is the writing block where you said from nine to 10, that's what you do. Uh, I call those horizontal themes because that way they go, basically they're themed across, you know, either all of your work week, say five days a week, or maybe you do it all seven days a week. And I mean, people can do that with things like social media or whatever, even the stuff, like you said, that's not work. It's really interesting. Casey Neistat talks about like, there's no such thing as free time. And and I, I tend to agree with that on its face, because I think if you let your time be free, then you you tend to lose control of it a little bit because that's when you can get pulled in directions that you don't necessarily want to go in. And is that why you said, hey, you know what? I need to make this decision to say, hey, I'm going to set aside this very specific time to do writing and then maybe this specific time to do X or maybe this specific day, which is when I talk about daily themes, like to focus on this particular type of activity. Is that kind of what led you, like the idea that your time was being um, – not, not 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 corrupted or co-opted, but kind of you, you realize that, that uh, it was a resource that you weren't tapping into as much as you should be. Well, at the time, I was running a consultant firm full-time, and it was a more than full-time job. You know, I was just, I was working a ton, and every hour was filled up with stuff to do. And so this is almost like what we talked about with uh, cutting things out, is I was like, I'm just going to put a meeting on the calendar from... I think it was nine to 10 in the morning where this is my writing time. And, but I'm going to pretend like it's a meeting. So if a client says, Hey, can I talk to you at nine o'clock? I'll say, Oh no, I've got another meeting there. Can we talk at such and such time? And, um, and just treat it like that. And it was my way of kind of like 
elbowing space into a calendar that was always full with stuff. Mm-hmm. And so now it's a little different because writing is more a part of my job. And so I have to, my productivity and calendar look a little bit different. But um, it was just my way of just like shoehorning something into my calendar that uh, wasn't going to happen naturally. Um, and again, this is, uh, you know, this is like looking, I, I kept saying I wanted to write and yet a month would go by and I hadn't written anything. So it's like, okay, what can I do to kind of force myself to at least give this a real try? And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it on the calendar. And again, it's like, I'll just put it on the calendar until something blows up. Uh, And of course, nothing blew up and I was able to keep writing. But uh, it was just another experiment to see, okay, maybe this will get me to actually start writing. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I still do that for certain things. Uh, If I just realize, like, if I don't set a time, I'm not going to do it. And so I just start setting times uh, so that I kind of make a deal with myself to show up. So as we go through the book, um, you think that this journey is uh, right at the beginning. It's like, you know, this is what I'm struggling with and I'm going to start chasing this dream. And the way that you've written is what I love about it is it's not like it's this um, climb without pitfalls along the way. Uh, and, and I have to say the way that you've crafted it, it, it you're, you know, when you're watching a, a movie or you're seeing, um, you're watching maybe some live sporting event and, uh, things are going so well, oh, and then they don't. And then you're like, oh, look, they're making it. Oh, and then they don't. It seems like that happened to you several times while you were running down the dream. Like how it, could you, how many times did it happen in the book where I'm like, oh, Tim fell down again. <laughs> or, oh, 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 Tim, Tim, um, Tim isn't satisfied. It, like, was it a combination of like both falling down and not being satisfied? Like that journey, most be it's like that graph that says you know the the, the what the journey actually looks like versus what people think it is. Um, was that you know I, you probably still have that too, where it's like you know there are some times where you fall down. What when people read this book, uh, what do you want them? What feeling do you, do you? Is that a feeling that you wanted them to get? Where where it's like they're rooting for you, and they see themselves in that situation too, like I did. But also, it's like, man, how many times are you going to fall down, and and, and, <laughs> and be able to keep going? Yeah, I feel like um, you know a lot of times um, when you read a book, and this is probably how it should be. But a lot of times what you read is like in the opening chapter, it's like, hey, this really bad thing happened and it and this is where I had this new awareness of this new way of doing things. And then the rest of the book is teaching you what you learned. And, you know, that's not how life works. Uh, How life works is it's these like incremental changes that are usually brought on by something painful right when we're not in pain we tend to not change because Mm -hmm. it seems like everything's going fine so why change and so um i kind of wanted to give what it really looks like and my goal here was uh so sean always says that um uh, spe- uh, universality comes from specificity. So specificity leads to universality. And what he means by that is the more specific a story, the more universal it becomes. Because it, it's kind of, uh, it kind of seems counterintuitive, right? We would think, well, we need to keep things broad so more people think it's for them. And in storytelling, it's the opposite. The more like specific you are with your story, the more people f- see themselves in it. 
And so one of the things I wanted people to understand is that um, if you are failing repeatedly, it probably means you're on the right path, not the wrong path, um, because that is usually how things go. You know, if you look behind the, all the creative people I've gotten to work with behind the scenes, it is devastating failure after devastating failure. And then from time to time, something works. And I feel like that's how most people build something meaningful. And so, of course, like I said, I didn't set out to write this story this way. But as I began telling the story, it felt like I wanted people to read this and think, oh, my God, like I'm normal. You know, like the fact that I've been working on this for six years and barely gotten any traction okay, Tim, that happened to Tim too. Like maybe this is more normal than I, I tell myself because most of the stories we're here, we hear are like, oh, things kind of used to suck and then they got better, right? And I'm like, and my story is things sucked, I got a little bit better, then they sucked again and then they got a little bit better and then they sucked again. And, like, and I always felt like something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. But as I began to hear other people's stories, I'm like, no, my, my story is normal. Um, but it's not the story that you usually hear or read. You know, as uh, I, I'm remembering our conversation that we had when we were sitting in, in Nashville, uh, you know, after the first tribe conference that I went to, I think it was like the second one, and you and I hung out for I think we were there for what like three hours or something like that. It was a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. We were there for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I'm thinking about you know when I uh, the people that you surround yourself with and the the conversations that you have with people who get you quote end quote you know the idea that um because i mean we're we're um you know in in where i live uh in victoria there are a few uh online entrepreneurs but they're they're not they're not as uh vocal or as out you know out there as say um people that i that i run into when i go to these conferences and you and i've talked about like you talk about the world domination summit in the book which you know i've attended many times and you've attended uh, several times as well how important is it when you are running down your dream for you to not only surround yourself with the right people, but also make sure that you um, – leverage isn't the right word, but I'm going to use it anyways, I think. It's just probably the one that, that comes to mind. Leverage the, the, those relationships along the way. Well, I, I feel like – because I know that word leverage feels a little weird when you think about relationships. But I look at it more as like I'm trying to just – become friends with other people that are interested in the same stuff as me. Mm -hmm. And then we're all going to help each other. Right. So it's like, you know, I'm going to help you when you need something from me. And, you know, I'm assuming when I need something from Mike, he'll have me on his podcast, you know, like it's that kind of thing. And I feel like it's important. It's important from a practical reason, like we just said of like, you know, uh, helping each other and having, you know, promoting each other and that kind of thing. But the other is like just feeling normal, right? Human, so I, human, until, human, like it's a human thing, right? Well, I think, so I used to live up till a few years ago. I, so I live in Nashville now. I used to live uh, in this small city in Virginia and there was just nobody that did what I did. So nobody really understood what I was trying to do. Nobody really got it. You know, the people that did work for themselves usually like had bought a franchise or were like, you know, just, you know, not really trying to build something, you know, and and run down something interesting. And so I often just felt kind of alone, right? 
And so what I, at one point, I just reached out to a handful of people I'd met over the years that I also knew lived in towns that were kind of out of the way. It was like, hey, can we just be in a group together where we just talk and help each other? And there were like, and we, so we started this Slack group and this was early on with Slack and I, there would be days that we didn't even talk, but I would leave Slack open and I could see all the little green dots by each of them. And so it was like, it's like, I'm not alone. Like they're working too. Like we're, we're here doing this thing. We're all trying to do something interesting here. And so I find that, you know, surrounding yourself with other people that are running down a similar dream is, is helpful, not just because you can help each other, because it allows you to feel like, you know, we're in this together. Uh, and we're all trying to do something interesting here. And so, you know, we're going to get there together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what did it feel like when you're done in the book? Like, as you get to the end of the actual book, reading it, uh, I would imagine, and, and again, no spoilers, I would imagine that you kind of felt the same way that you animated at the end of the actual book itself. How, how did you feel when the book was done? You're holding on to it. Uh, or I guess there's, that's a whole different phase. But when you're done the yeah. book versus holding on to it, versus, like, how did that feel um, knowing that maybe that was like that's just part of the, the journey along the way? You know, it was weird because um, how I finally cracked the book is um, I was talking with Sean. We were doing our podcast. We run the Story Grid podcast where he teaches me how to write. And we finally like cracked the book when I figured out I needed to start with the painful stories, right? I, the, the whole thing, like I said, of I'm not the guru on the hill. We're going to tour my ruins. And so writing the book, I actually, the version of the book that became the final book, I wrote in like three and a half weeks. Um, it just, as soon as I cracked what it was, I just wrote the whole thing down and kind of, you know, almost in one sitting is what it felt like. But each morning I would drop my kids off at school and then I'm driving into the office and I would literally be thinking, okay, what painful story from my past am I going to write about today? And I would be looking at like all the tools that I wanted to share and I would try to remember what kind of led to these things. And so I was having to go back and relive things that I have actively not thought about in years. Right. You know, po time po possibly even resisted. Oh yeah. Like, like, like these are things like, you know, I tried to bury these memories. So, cause they're not fun. It's things like when the IRS, you know, sent a subpoena, sent a sheriff to my house with a subpoena when, um, you know, my wife had to like take our baby son out of the cart and leave all the groceries behind. Cause we didn't have enough money just, in just the checking to, account. Just to let everybody know that, uh, that's listening. If you're listening right now, like the, these, the stuff that Tim's mentioning right now are things that you would have heard in our conversation at Pinewood Social. Like, that's how personal it got. Like, two guys talking, and th he's now revealing them in, the, in yeah. the printed word. So it wasn't like you were more than open, more than willing to be open and vulnerable with, with this book. Yeah, and so, like, and there were several times where I'm literally, like, typing it, and I'm just crying because I just was remembering what it was like to be in these just horrible places. And, um, and I... So when I finished the book, um, I, I literally like wrote the final chapter 
and I knew it was done. Like this thing I'd been working on for two years and every time I would write parts of it, I'm like, God, it's not good enough. I knew it wasn't there. I knew it wasn't there. Like I finished the book and I hadn't shown any of it to Sean and I'm like, this book is done. Like I finally did it. And so it just felt like, um, it just felt very good. It was also, I also knew before anybody had seen it, I was like, this is the best writing I've ever done. Like, this is the best thing I've ever created. I just knew it in my gut. And so it just, it was this very kind of release of both sharing all of these stories that I'd kind of kept secret for so long. Um, and also finishing something that I knew I was going to be just extremely proud of. And so those things together, when it was done, it just felt like this release of something that was really meaningful in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced in anything else that I've done. So it just, it was just very cathartic. It felt very good. And it felt like, um, it felt like I had done, it's, it's hard to put into words, but it's like I had been, I had set out to do this thing and I had done it. So this running down a dream ultimately is it's your story. Although again, there are so many people that can say, Hey, you know what? Um, this, this is totally relatable, which is exactly the kind of thing you want to be able to do as, as an author. But what about the people who are like, this is all well and good, Tim, but, um, I'm not a writer. Like, I'm not trying to write a book. I'm not trying to like, that's not what my dream is. And maybe that's not, and I want it. Let's be clear. You can clarify. Is that the dream that we were talking about or is there a much bigger dream? So first off, um, people who are not trying to write a book, um, what are some of the lessons that they can learn from the book? And also is writing the book, I'm sure was not the total dream, but I'm sure it was part of it. Right. So that's a two part, two part question there. Well, you know, I did not set out to become a writer, right? So most of the stories in the book are not necessarily about becoming a writer. It's about, you know, my dream, I never had this dream. You know, I feel like some people like know they're going to build a business or they know they're going to be a writer. And I just knew I wanted I wanted to do something. I mean, I don't know how it just felt very vague. It always has, it still feels vague, but I knew what it would feel like when I got there. Like I knew I would know once I got there. And I feel like that's what a lot of people experience is like they want to, they just want to release what's ever inside of them. And whether that's writing, whether that's singing, whether that's painting, whether that's creating a company, whatever it is, it's about, not settling for the easy thing, not settling for, um, you know, what your parents did or, you know, not settling for the expectations of other people, but deciding like, I have this thing that I want to do and I'm going to go do it come hell or high water. And so that's what I feel like the book is about. And while some of the book is about my journey as a writer, there's, there's like, there's no writing advice in it. It's about, this idea of I'm setting out um, to run down this dream that nobody else but me understands, nobody else but me um, is responsible for, um, and I'm going to do this or I'm going to die in the process. And so I feel like that's who I was writing it for, is um, for all of us that are setting out to do this thing that that only we really understand why we have to do it. 
Um, and so that's what I wrote the, you know, the whole first part of the book is about me just starting a company and quitting my job. Like there's nothing about writing in there. And I think it's, um, you know, and I've already had like people that have reached out to me that are painters, that are singers, that are songwriters, that are like, that have read the book and are like, I felt like you were telling my story, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what I wanted to do was like create something that would, was both practical, gives you practical things to do to get your work done and get it out in the world, but also give you something relatable so you feel like, okay, um, you know, my hope is that people can say, well, if Tim can do this, I can do this too. Right, right. Now, let's, I want to talk a little bit more about inefficiencies and dive a little bit into productivity a, a, a bit more. So first off, um, we're recording a podcast right now, and in, in the past, what I would do is I would make notes as the podcast is going on, as I'm talking to the guest. I've got my you know my notebook in front of me. I've got a pen. Sometimes I do it. Uh, but I don't do it as much anymore because what I like to do now is I like to go back and listen to the entire interview so that I'm fully present right now chatting with you, and then later I'm fully present listening to us talk so I can figure out, hey, here's what needs to happen. Here's, here's this. Here's that. Um, would you... I don't qualify that or as an inefficiency. I used to. I used to be like, okay, I need to uh, maximize my time here. So as Tim and I are talking, I'm going to make notes and make bullet points and all that stuff. What, would you put, put yourself in my shoes? Okay. So um, how have you evolved, number one, what you believe was an inefficiency and turns out it's not like, and where do you decide that exists? Like for me, again, this this is a, a line I've drawn in the sand to say, you know what? I want to make the best podcast episode possible. So therefore, taking notes during the episode is is actually doing a disservice more than a service. So I'm going to, you know, sacrifice or compromise or, or dedicate the time to, to actually recording it and then dedicating another hour to listening to it later. So where where did you say, hey, you know what, this is no longer this this I thought this was an inefficiency. It's not. Or, hey, this I thought this wasn't something I needed to do, but it's rather inefficient. Like, how, how have you how do you make that d- distinction? Well, I feel like what you're what you're talking about is actually focusing on what you're trying to accomplish, right? So I'm work I'm about to start working with a new contractor and he sent me his hourly rate and I said, dude, I don't I don't care what you like I don't wanna buy your time. I wanna buy what you're due for me. Like I want you to, you know, set up my website. Let's say it's building a website. I don't care how long that takes you. I need a website. That's what I'm paying for. Mm-hmm. And so then we can, I said, and if you do this, it is this valuable to me. And I gave him a price and I said, will you do it for that price? And he said, yes. Right. So I don't care if it takes him an hour, five hours, 20 hours, 50 hours. If I get the thing, you know, I don't ask, um, I don't wonder as I go to the store and buy a new coffee maker, how long they put into making that coffee maker. I'm going to spend as much money as is valuable to me to make coffee right right and so which is really high but that's a separate (laughs) thing um so so what you're saying is the most valuable thing to you is to create the best podcast you can and the most efficient way to do that is to not take notes during the event and then re-listen and take your notes then Right. So you are actually increasing your efficiency 
by taking a longer period of time to do it because you have a bigger goal than doing it in a tight amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how I kind of look at things is, you know, I don't judge my writing by how many words I output because that's not what really matters. I judge my writing by like, did I say what I was trying to say? Did I move the project forward today? You know, did I, you know, get out, you know, even if I only wrote 300 words, was it the right 300 words? And I look at other things that aren't important as that's where I make up any quote inefficiencies, right? So I don't, you know, like, uh, like we order meals, you know, we, I have automated things for my calendar, all this stuff that doesn't actually matter. I try to automate that, get that off my plate figure out all that stuff and everything dies to the work, right? You know, what am I trying to create? What is the best way to create those things? And I'm going to do whatever it takes to create that thing, right? Like <clears throat> running, <clears throat> running down a dream. I could have published it a year and a half earlier. Like the book was done, but it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be yet. Mm-hmm. And so I took another year and a half. I mean, the book's only, I think, like 40,000 words, but I wrote over 120,000 words and I threw it all away because it wasn't good enough. Now, was that inefficient? Okay, maybe. But what it was, was what it took to create the thing I'm trying to create. And so I think some people, and I've done, you know, we've all fallen in this trap of just like being as efficient as possible. Um, you know, the most efficient way to get my kids to school would be to like hire somebody to drive them to school for me. But then I would miss all of that time sitting with them in the car talking. Right. Right. So it's like it is extremely inefficient for me to drive them to school. And yet I do it anyway because I have a higher goal. So I think always having being very clear on what you're trying to accomplish and then, you know, you do what it takes to serve that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that to me is the important thing, right? This is why like I hire people to clean my house because I don't care about that. And like me cleaning the house is not getting me anything anywhere closer to something I want in life. You right. know, it's just this annoying thing that needs to be done. So I don't do it anymore. And so, um, so it's those kind of things, uh, you know, just like it's not, I don't judge efficiency just by how much time something makes. It's how is it getting me to create the thing that I want to create? Right, right. So it's basically driven by intention. like that. And I think that's, that's a really uh, important distinction because I think a lot of people look for how to be more efficient and they think that productivity is derived by efficiency and effectiveness. And you could be efficient about the wrong things and you could be effective about the wrong things. But ultimately it's about, hey, what are you ultimately trying? Like, what's your what's your objective? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Whether it's in the short term or the long term or in the in between term, whatever. Um, it, it's so. I mean, again, and it's funny because we, you're like you said, we all get caught in that trap. Me saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take notes during this because I want to make sure I'm being more efficient, and then realizing, you know what? I'm not doing as good a job with making the podcast what it could should. And, and can be. And and like you said, writing 120,000 words and tossing them away to ultimately end up with the book you really wanted, the book that you not only you are happy with, but 
you know, countless others are happy with, I think it is is really an important distinction. Now, you you talk about um, the the writing time between nine and ten, and and how making that habitual is really important. Um, are you a routines driven type of person? You mentioned, you know, like some, like one of the things I do every Wednesday, which is my pocket. I do this every day of the week, but I know that, um, I set up my clothes the night before every single, every single day. And I actually have gone one step beyond that possibly crazy, but I do this anyways, is, is I have different t-shirts that I know have different meanings. So they are worn on very specific days of the week. So for example, right now, I'm wearing my Black Bolt, Marvel Black Bolt t-shirt because today's my audio day and Black Bolt's power is that if he uses his voice, then he can do a lot of damage. That's his superpower. So that to me is relationship to my audio day, which is Wednesday. I know, super nerdy, but it makes it so that I don't have to think about what shirt I will wear Wednesday. And I actually have a second shirt that I wear Wednesday too that's already also related to audio. So every day of the week, I have like shirts that like my convert kit shirts. Teach everything you know. Thursday's my training day. I wear that shirt because that's the shirt that that makes sense on that day. Do you have routines in place, number one? And do you have triggers like I do that allow you to remove those, um, eliminate decision fatigue or at least lessen it a bit? Yeah. You know, I talk about this in the book a little bit about trying to make as many decisions for the future version of myself as possible. Right. So I was actually, today I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a musician and I was telling him how like trying to live his life would drive me insane. Cause it's like, he won't have anything to do for two days and then he'll be up till one in the morning playing a gig. And it's like all random. And, and you know, my schedule is extremely regimented, like probably 90% of the time, um, you could like I'm in the same place the same day at the same time every time like whether it's working out picking up my kids working writing you know I might switch coffee shops otherwise I just I don't even have to think about my day it's already planned uh I do the I do a similar thing with clothes not quite as nerdy as yours (laughs) but um I literally have two pairs of jeans and about 10 or 12 color, different colors of the same t-shirt from Target. And uh, I have a couple different pairs of shoes, and I literally just jeans, shirt, shoes, like every day, yep. same thing. Um, and uh, I do the same thing with meals. I do the same thing. And this is what we are talking about a minute ago, of these things are not important. Right. What I wear every day is not important. Um, trying to decide how to spend my time each day is not what I need to be spending my time on. So that stuff, I ruthlessly create efficiency around. And, um, and, and by the way, just to harken back to something you said earlier about social media and what happened when you stopped posting to social media, nothing. Like people don't look at you and go, wow, Tim, you wear the same clothes every day and I'm not going to work with you or I'm not going to follow you. Like no one cares about oh, yeah, that yeah. stuff, right? Like, So yeah. th- it's it truly is not important. I mean, there's reasons why capsule wardrobes are a big deal right now because people are like 33 articles. Of clothes. No one pays attention. Like, wow, that's a completely different outfit that you wore. You have you've not been wearing the same outfit for 43 days straight. That's amazing. No, no one pays attention to that crap. Well, and I, you know, I want to distinguish here between um, like – if you think it's important, that's fine. Right. Just understand that you're doing it because you want to, which, you know, I think a lot of times when we get into this efficiency productivity thing, um, 
we start feeling like just because we want to do something is not a good enough reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And my thing is like, look, do whatever you want. Just tell yourself the truth about it. Right. Right. So if it makes you feel good to spend 45 minutes getting ready in the morning, do it. Yep. Just know you're doing it for you, not for other people, or it's not going to like get you clients or whatever. It's just for you, which is fine. That's a good enough reason just tell yourself the truth because if you're not telling yourself the truth, you'll end up doing a bunch of stuff you don't actually want to do thinking it's accomplishing something but not being clear on it. Right. And my, I, yeah. Like my wife thinks I'm absolutely crazy to have these shirts that are themed. And she goes, why do you do that? I'm like – and uh, there was a point in time where I actually stopped. And I said, you know what? Like it's bothering her. I'm going to stop. But then what happened is it actually affected me beyond that point. Like, I'm like, you know, because – but I like because what would happen is is I'd put on this Wednesday shirt, which meant it was audio day, which meant I would do audio work. So it like literally dr- like drove me and funneled my focus to that particular type of activity. And one day I just said, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, th- this is not grounds for divorce kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's not like I'm going to. It's I mean, I I do have a moratorium on shirts I can buy. I'm like, oh look, it's uh, I mean, I, I recently bought the Houston Astros dream crushing shirt because they had this meme, and I'm a big Astros fan. And she's like, is this the last one? I'm like, yeah, because I can wear it on Friday because Friday is my deep work day and it allows me to to crush my dreams and stuff like. And she goes, okay, seriously though, like you can't like because you don't want to have five different shirts that you could wear every single day because they all could fall into those different themes she goes, so like let's let's make a decision around how many t-shirts options you have per day so you can go too far but also like you said like if it's important to you um don't give don't give that up but understand like that's there's a reason behind it and be honest with yourself about it because if you're not and the other thing i think too tim is that you if if you're going to spend 45 minutes getting ready then you have to understand that that there might be other things that you need to cut or be more efficient about so that and and i don't know what those would be only only the person getting ready for 45 minutes would know that but I think it's important to look for those things too, right? Like understand it and be aware so you can say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm taking 45 minutes to get ready. So either that means I have to get up earlier or maybe that means I can't do this or I shouldn't do this. Like I think that this is a lifestyle thing. It's not just a one and done thing. Yeah, and I, you know, the other thing that I tend to do is I do things um, in kind of cycles. So... I'll be living my life for a while and then I'll be like, okay, let me really look at my life and figure out if there's some inefficiencies in here that I can clean up. Right. And so, you know, I can't always, I have to like use the system long enough to see if it's working for me um, before I start. I don't want to constantly be in this. My buddy used to call it productivity porn Yep. where it's like, I'm constantly like, cutting and cutting and figuring out and figuring out. It's like, I'm going to make, and this is what I tell people is like, make a decision, do it that way for six months Mm -hmm. and then change if you want to change. Um, and so I think that, you know, just, it's a long thing. And I talk about some very, I have some really, um, like detailed tools on how to like find inefficiencies in your life in the book. Um, but I still do those from time to time of like, okay, let me, you know, I've been coasting for a while. Let me take a hard look at what I'm doing. Um, or like things aren't working like right now with promoting the book, I'm basically doing podcasts constantly. And I'm, I'm all of a sudden like, man, like I'm looking at my day and my day is full of, um, hour and 30 minute gaps, which is like 
useless for getting actual work done. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I need to like start only doing podcasts on Thursday, Friday, but I'm going to coast like this for a couple months and then I'll make a decision if I need to make a decision. Right. So it's like not constantly, you know, churning on this stuff because you can get worn out on it, but just like keeping an eye on like, am I getting my work done? Like, what is the most important things? Like, are those things getting done? If they're not, maybe I need to look at something. But, um, also, you know, every day I work out and because I really enjoy working out. And so that's in the middle of the day. I have to stop what I'm doing, get in the car and drive and then do it and come back to the office. But it's like, that is really important to me and I enjoy it. And so that's when I do it. So I, I think it's, it's obviously with all this stuff, it's balanced. But I don't even think of it as balance as like, what are the most important things and are those things happening? And anything else that doesn't get done, most of the time, it, nothing bad happens. Right, right. And well, and it, again, you, you talk about like changing when you need to change. Um, when a, Using a baseball metaphor or analogy, if, if, if a hitter is hitting well, don't change the stance. Like everything should stay the same. But once they go into a slump, it's like, okay, should we look at the way your stance is? Like how, how do we change your – because something is wrong right now, so let's fix it. But as long as things are working well, yeah, you don't want to mess with a good thing. And yeah, productivity porn – Big problem stuff that we've talked about quite a bit on here, and and I love to talk to you more about this stuff in the future. But I got to let you go because, frankly, it's the middle of the afternoon and it's time for me to go do my workout as well because I'm starting <laughs> to get back into that. Uh, Tim, thanks so much for taking the time today. Where can people pick up your book? And uh, is there anything else that you want to quickly uh, plug before uh, we we wrap things up? Yeah, I mean the books you know sold online everywhere you buy books so amazon barnes and noble etc uh you can see everything that i do at runningdownadream.com thanks again for joining me today on the productivities podcast tim it's been a pleasure yeah thanks mike thanks for having me i told you great conversation as always with my friend tim grawl you can find everything that we discussed in the show notes uh no matter where you're listening to the podcast whether it's apple podcast stitcher uh, wherever that's happening, uh, you can uh, grab the show notes there. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I want to thank you for listening because, uh, you know, and I hope that you take a lot of the, the stuff that Tim talked about if you are trying to run down your own dream and, uh, you know, take some of those things that he talked about and put them into action because, uh, you know, as someone who, uh, like I said during the discussion, I felt like it was kind of like my story as well. I think, you know, a lot of people that you would never have expected to go through those stories, either they, they share them overtly or they keep them kind of hidden or quiet. Uh, I think it's important to hear those stories and to know that, you know, you're not that far away from those people that you're looking at going, wow, they've got all their, their, uh, their stuff together. So again, big thanks to Tim for joining me this week on the show. Big thanks to John Polster for producing the show. Big thanks to all of the patrons supporting the show. Uh, and if you are a patron, of course, uh, you know, I, I thank you for your continued support. If you want to learn more about that, go to productivityist.com slash membership. You can learn more about that. And if, if you uh, want to become a member, you can do that. But if, if you just want to rate and review the show, uh, and again, keeping the microphone quality aside, believe me, I know that that's something that would affect things over the long term. But if you're enjoying the show, this is not your first episode you've listened to, uh, or you want to listen to more than subscribe, and if you really like the show, then rate and review the show and wherever you listen to podcasts. It just helps people find the show. It helps me and John make the show better, and that's that's really what we want to do here. So again, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.